the one that you should be proud of, and I know you've told people not to go after it, and I, I, I've warned my brother because he's considering playing the game. No hell divers. No hell divers. Oh, I knew you were going there. No. <laughs> no. No. It wasn't. Honestly, I don't remember that being hard. It was just so time consuming. So grindy. Yeah, he, he, he told me, he's like, some guys at work are talking about this game, and it looks kind of fun. He goes, he goes, it was free on Plus. It was Helldivers. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Go talk to Alex. Yeah, don't, don't talk to me. <laughs> I, will, I will steer you away from that. You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. everybody this is episode 479 i am your voluntold banned from twitter host i yield to no one joining Wait, me today banned banned from twitter what I, are I you got, actually I, I got banned from twitter oh yeah now i remember i saw that i saw, you you saw that. that yeah 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 and joining me this week is alex Join some exclusive company of people who are getting banned from social media in the Trophy Horse group. In the community, we should say. In the community, yeah. And uh, although we promised you would have a Levi and a Tricky, uh, Mother's Day kind of, well, Mother's Day plans kind of delayed Sunday's recording. So we're doing it on Monday. Perhaps so I should give an explanation of that since I'm the one who made the call. Essentially, well, not entirely because I was with my mom too, and I didn't get home till six thirty. So, well, I mean, still, like, so we were gonna Levi was gonna come on last night and record with us. You know, we're we're recording on Monday. Uh, Tricky was also gonna be on, but he, he's at work. He was at work, so he wasn't gonna be able to host. But we were hosting my mom for dinner last night for Mother's Day. Uh, I tried to do brunch earlier in the day because who doesn't love brunch? And uh, it's just easier with the show being later in the day. So it didn't work out. So she had to do some some stuff for work and she couldn't come over till later. And, you know, I'm not going to just shove my mom out the door. It's actually been quite a long time since I've seen my mom. So we just wanted to have a nice dinner and just kind of be able to do things at our own pace rather than have to be like, oh, well, hey, mom, I got to go. Uh, <laughs> Peace out. Got to go podcast. You've got to leave. It, it eventually would have worked out where she left just after seven. So we could have recorded around 8, but at the same time, we had made the call. Because, you know, Levi was going to be on. We had made the call before then, so... But yeah, I, I wasn't going to just, you know, toss my mother out and be like, Hey, I gotta go podcast. Have a nice day. So we decided just to, for me and Yield, to record on Monday. So we at least got a show out for you guys. Happy Mother's Day. Love you. Gotta go! Yeah. Boom! Exactly. Oh. So... <laughs> well, hopefully you all, the, the family Huddleston, had a nice Mother's Day, Yield. Yeah, it was good. Mom enjoyed her supper. So, it was soggy, though. I don't know about you. We got freaking drenched. Oh, I thought you meant the meal was soggy. No, no, no. I meant, like, the weather. I mean, it did nothing but rain, like, the first half of the day. It's been raining around here quite a bit. I don't remember how bad yesterday was, but it was. it's definitely been raining the last couple of days. Doesn't doesn't make springtime pleasant, although, given that it's no longer cold, I can deal with the, the rain a little bit better. It does help. What have you been playing besides... Hanging out with your mom. Well, I mean, it seems like we had some pretty good Mother's Day. It seems like we earned a few trophies for our Mother's Day 
get-togethers yield, why don't we, uh, why don't we hit up our trophy count first? Well, let's do that. Because I know, I know you put in all the hard work to update them, so I don't want you to... Oh, that's all I right. I, I, actually, I probably would have circled back to the trophy count after we did what we were playing, but... It all it all blends into the other thing. It does. So Tricky is a level six oh seven, trophy count of thirteen thousand nine hundred and fifty seven, with a platinum count of two fifty five. Sid is a level five fifteen, with a trophy count of ten thousand three hundred and twenty nine, and a platinum count of one seventy six. Alex I am level four forty three. Hey, that's me. I'm Alex. Level 443 with a total trophy count of 7,308 and a platinum count of 112 and 111 games. I am currently sitting at a level of 446 with a trophy count of 7,354 and a platinum count of 124. Well, you must have gained quite a few trophies this week because you overtook me in total trophy count. I did. Started the final station again. I was missing three trophies. From 100%, so I was just going back through that to try to get those couple trophies. Or three trophies, I got two of them so far, I got one Wait, more to go. you said the station. We're talking about a game called the station, right, and not the PlayStation. Sorry, after years of podcasting with Donnie, I'm used to hearing the station, and it being talked about the console we play on. No, no, the game is called the final station. Ah, uh, okay. So, and like I said, I was, I needed three trophies to 100% it, and I got, I've got two of the three so far. Um. Fired up Spyro 3, Year of the Dragon, the other night. Uh, of course, our Rocket League on Thursday. And uh, Before before we go on, I want to give a, a big early shout out to Nitro, who joined us for his first evening of Rocket League. Apparently, ever. Yeah, Nitro had never played before this past week, and it's not like, oh, hey, Nitro play, played really well for a first timer. No, Nitro played really well overall. Got like four or five goals, saved our asses on a couple defensive stops there in goal. Nitro played very well overall. Nitro's already better than Tricky. Yeah, I and I told him that. Not that he was better than Tricky. Well, I might have said that. But I did tell him, I'm like, wow, for somebody who just picked up the controller, I'm going to play Rocket League tonight, played really darn well. Yeah, I mean, there. yes, in concept, Rocket League is very simplistic, but... You gotta, it's physics based, so it takes some time to get used to. And, you know, he took to it like a duck to water. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, we've talked on here before that it's hard to know, especially playing Chaos 4v4, of where to go, when to be at the kind of the right place at the right time. And although I, I told him, I said, although your scores didn't always reflect what you did, he was doing the little things in the game that he didn't score points for at the end of the game. Does that does that, that make sense? I mean, you know what I'm talking about because we play Rocket League a lot. The, the little things. Yeah. And I was just, I was surprised. I was like, he he's had to have played before. And then I go looking after we're done and he popped all kinds of trophies and he hadn't picked the game up at all. And it's like, wow. And as we mentioned on the stream, we want to thank Psyonix because Psyonix actually gave Tricky a code for the, the the NASCAR pack that was released uh, as downloadable content for Rocket League and Yield, you were able to pick up some free DLC thanks to Flyonics. Yep, some free NASCAR DLC. I ran it the whole night for our, our stream. Um, I, I normally, it takes me a few games with a new car 
I got real comfortable with that car pretty quick. And I know that sounds weird because really there's not much difference between the cars in my opinion, but I did really well with the NASCARs. All right. So, you know, our usual Rocket League thing, but what else besides the final station have you been playing? So I played, oh, I played some uh, World of Warship Legends. Forget why I was diving into that. I was getting my daily goal. I think I was just messing around just for the heck of it. Uh, Rocket League, played some Enemy Front. I said Spyro 3, Year of the Dragon, and the Final Station. And that's really been about it. I've been wanting to start something else, and I haven't really figured out what I want to fully dive into. Alex, what have you been playing? Yield, as you can, as the listeners may be able to be able to tell, I haven't earned since finishing Spirit of the North and getting the platinum in that. I haven't played a game on PlayStation besides Rocket League, and I've already got all of the trophies for that. So, my current situation, where you overtook me, and I told you it wouldn't take long, is all due to the fact that I've been playing way too much Pokemon Snap, and oh snap! Yeah, I'll say I'll just say I know this is not a Nintendo podcast, but you know. If you, you know, because some people probably have Switches as well. If you are someone who's on the fence about Pokemon Snap, I would say that if you plan to go through the game and just play through, you know, if if your goal is just to play through the game as fast as possible, um, yes, there is some grinding because you got to get to certain experience levels to open up certain tracks in the the different areas of the world. Uh, If you're just trying to get through the game as fast as possible, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you want to go back in and you want to constantly get better pictures of Pokemon and, and fill up your Pokedex and post pictures online, because they do have online leaderboards and you can post pictures online and people can, you know, vote, give you basically a two sweet badge and they could, you know, you can also edit them and stuff. So there's a lot of different stuff you could do in the game. If, if you, that's your more your goal where you're just trying to complete everything and you want the full experience, then this is absolutely worth your money. So just, just, I know that a lot of people were kind of, cautious about that game, wondering if it was because it's on rails. People were like, well, is this really a $60 game? Again, $50 if you buy it at Walmart. But uh, yeah, I'd say that if you want to go back into the levels and play uh, and try to top your your photo, your best photographs and post online and all that and be part of the community, it's absolutely worth the money. So I think that I'm, I'm not finished with the game yet. I haven't even seen all the Pokemon or seen all the areas in the game, and I'm almost 20 hours into it. So definitely a much meatier game than the original. So, yeah, I'll just throw that out there. For anyone still sitting on the fence about Pokemon Snap, uh, I'm very happy with my purchase in that game. Well, that's good. Yeah. Don't even be wasting money, Yield. Things cost too much. No, you do not. Yes, things cost way too much, and we'll be getting to that later on the show. So, that's it? Just just your Pokemon Snap? Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah, just new new Pokemon Snap. I gotta find the legendaries, Yield. I gotta find all the Illumina Pokemon. You gotta catch them all, man. Well, you can't catch them all. You can catch over 200 in the game. There's like now over 900 Pokemon, so I can't catch them all. But I can certainly get pictures of more than 200 of them. Well, that's good. So we'll roll into our first topic of the night. And if you are on our Facebook group, you kind of already know my opinions of it. But so Sony has swept in at almost zero hour and got a minority stake in Discord. Discord was set to have a potential buyout, or have a potential yeah buyout, by three buyers, one of them being Microsoft. And it was reportedly 
ready to offer them $10 billion. But those negotiations got put on hold, could be rekindled in the future, because Sony has put has bought a minority investment in Discord. From Jim Ryan, president and CEO of PlayStation, he quote he is quoted as saying, empowering players to create communities and enjoy shared gaming experiences is at the heart of what we do. So we are beyond excited to start this journey with one of the world's most popular communication services. Uh, it was announced in a short blog post, though aside from disclosing its minority stake, not a lot of other details were shared. So... Yeah, IGN posted about this, and uh, based on a, a post, as you said, from Jim Ryan on the on the PlayStation blog, not really a ton to go off of here. We we don't really know what the partnership's going to entail, but you know, as we've seen with the the four, and then you know, going into the five, Sony's really focusing on allowing people to communicate much easier and expand their social horizons. So, I mean, this is only like a step a step further into that because. I don't know how many users Discord has, but I know that Tricky was, you know, on that big push to get everyone in Discord and have us record the podcast via Discord. And, you know, Ashley's kids, they both, um, at least one of them has a Discord account where, you know, he's in different channels for different games. And he ta- he's met, a, you know, friends, made friends online via those channels talking about, you know, stuff from Super Smash Brothers to Celeste, to all this other different stuff. So, I mean, by now, Discord's a huge platform. So Sony, you know, trying to get in on that and, you know, maybe pull in some people to the PlayStation brand that, you know, are on Discord, but maybe had, you know, previously owned Xbox consoles. I mean, this this is, you know, it's all Sony trying to expand uh, its network capabilities and its social aspects, you know, because they've got the game, they got the really good games. They got the first party games and owned IPs unlocked, but where like their online infrastructure and their social aspects are probably where they can grow the most. I do agree to that. To answer your question, it says here in the article that Discord has reported over 140 million users per month around the globe. So that's a lot. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people you can sell PlayStations to. Yes. So I don't. Just to cue anybody in, why I sounded like I was all, dis, all disheartened about this. I've tried Discord. I was sold this ultimately awesome, easiest thing in the world to use. And it won't work for me. So, I'm a little jaded. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to work with the PlayStation. I mean, maybe it's a, a place where people can use it to... I mean, I guess technically can, people can already use this. Maybe it's just better integrated into the PlayStation Network or whatever. But, you know, it's a way you can find a community to talk about, like, your, your newest PlayStation games. You can use it to boost trophies, I'm assuming. I use Discord to play Pokemon Go and help with the rating aspect of that, so... Uh, it's a it's a play, it's a way that I can find raids and, and find groups to help me raid the newest legendaries or you know hunt for shinies and stuff like that. So that's a really good tool for it, and it works really well for that. So I get the you know the community aspects that it can build not just within Discord but also in every channel that you're in, whether you want to focus on you know one game or you know you're into different Discord channels for two different games. I you know depending on how they integrate this, I mean I, I think it's a good thing, but you know there's just not really much we have to go on at this point. So. Hopefully Sony does good with it. Hopefully. And to give credit where credit was due, this article we got from IGN, written by Matt T.M. Kim. Sony's trying to expand its horizons by, you know, registering some trademarks as they do every now and again. Uh, A recent trademark for a former Xbox exclusive has popped up uh, that 
sure is to have people talking. I know you and I are, are going to be high on this game coming to the PlayStation Family consoles, hopefully. I remember when this game came out, I was like, oh man, that sucks it's an exclusive, because it looked like fun. And then uh, Gareth, I think he posted something in the Facebook group uh, like a week ago that says, hey, it looks like this game might be coming to PlayStation. So what game are we talking about? Everybody is out there in the whoredom is wondering. So this article from IGN, written by Jordan Ullman, a Twitter user by the name of Nebelian, found on, uh, why am I drawing a blank? Oh, found on the U.S. patent website that it looks like Sony has registered a trademark for Sunset Overdrive. Which is, as we said, is a former Xbox 360 exclusive that came out, I think, in 2014. Of course, Correct. developed by Insomnia Games, which Sony purchased in 2019. So I wonder if this is a case of that Microsoft didn't renew their patent for the game. Because since it's exclusive, you would assume that they Microsoft, Microsoft is the one that published it. So I wonder if this is a case of them just dropping the rights and Sony being able to pick those up as Insomniac's owner, because... That makes sense, because now they can, if Insomniac wants to do a sequel, which that thing that Gareth posted in the uh, the Facebook group did mention at the very bottom of that list, a possible, I took it as a possible Sunset sequel. So, if they now own the rights, they cannot, they can not only let Insomniac do a sequel, but then they can also bring the original over to the PlayStation. Am I wrong in that? Yeah, I don't know really how this works. I don't know if, you know, because we talk about people renewing patents all the time just so other people cannot use them. I don't know if this is something where Sony straight up paid Microsoft or, or uh, for the the rights to the game. So, I mean, that I mean, honestly, if you're Microsoft, it's like, well, we have this game developed by Insomniac and Insomniac is now owned by Sony. Do we really need do we really need to have own the rights to this game anymore? So I don't know if Sony was able to pick it up if the patent lapsed or if Microsoft just straight up sold to Sony. Yeah, the article just is, is vague on that. It just basically says that Sony has filed a, plat, uh, a patent for Sunset Overdrive. Uh, at the end of the article, this means Sony can lay claim to the game and clearly, clearly interested in maintaining its patent, but whether they intend to actually do anything with the property is anyone's guess. English, fail me. Interestingly... Interestingly. Thank you! I cannot talk today. Sunset Overdrive director Drew Murray recently joined Insomniac Games after a stint at Microsoft AAAA Perfect Dark Studio The Initiative. And then at the end of the article, they say that IGN gave it a 9, calling it fun, frantic, and fantastic. Yeah, that, that game that game looked like a lot of fun and It did. For like you, I was disappointed that it was Xbox exclusive because I mean we we were used to not only I mean it didn't even come to Sony consoles, hence the exclusivity, and we were just used to Insomniac and Sony having such a really good relationship, even though at that point Insomniac was still independent. We'll pro- we'll probably never know h- how it was worked out unless Jeff Hanna can come on and shed some light. So but all we know is now that Sony, I guess, owns the rights to, not only owns the developer that made Sunset Overdrive, but now owns the rights to the game itself. Yeah, now owns the rights to the game. So we'll just have to wait and see if maybe by the end of the year, 
we hear something, who knows? Maybe at the at at a, at a state of play or their E three ish press conference, they drop a little Sunset Overdrive nugget. Yeah, well, and yield we we got a little nugget recently about how Xbox felt or the the people at Microsoft felt about The Last of Us Part Two, which I believe we learned from documents in detailed in the Epic versus Apple courtroom battle that's been going on. Yeah, we did. Um, article from IGN, Matt T. Kim. It's very common for game developers to gather data on their products and even their own games. So what's really interesting is apparently they uh, basically reviewed The Last of Us 2. So this is from one of their documents, and it, it is quoted. The Last of Us Part Two is the exceedingly rare video game where what it accomplishes in moving forward the art of narrative storytelling in video games as a medium ultimately outweighs whether or not everyone, quote, likes, end quote, it or even if everyone has, quote, fun playing it. This was from the... uh Xbox right in the internal analysis acquired by IGN, as Alex said, from the Epic versus Apple court trial. This entire article is just is just Tricky's little is is, is a nugget for Tricky because he's sitting here and he wants to further fillet the Last of Us Part Two and basically to as anyone, the greatest game ever made to anyone who plays Xbox, he's basically saying, "He he, look, even Microsoft thinks that Last of Us Part Two is a fantastic." They're, game. So their only gripe, and they basically praised Naughty Dog. For their storytelling and the way it was, the way they drove the narrative, even if people didn't like how the story ended up, they praised them with expanding and pushing their, the, the way that a story is told because there's not any other game developers out there doing that. There are one gripe, and I can absolutely 100% agree with this. Their one gripe was that Naughty Dog still can't seem to make a decent gun combat in any of their games, and this is this one is no exception. I can agree with that. Not that I've played Last of Us 2, but in Uncharted and The Last of Us, they weren't horrible, but they could have been better. Yeah, it's like I've always said, when it comes to gameplay, I mean, Naughty Dog makes really good games, but what puts them over the top is the narrative and the story and the characters. So the writing is really what puts them up to the game of the year level. It's not the gameplay. And that's not to completely shut on the gameplay. But there are, like I said, Ghost of Shima has better gameplay. There are smoother, uh, more fun action games. And there's better gun combat out there. So there, you know, there's better cover mechanics. So Naughty Dog does that stuff well, but it's not up to par with the best of gaming. It's, it's, it's their story that pushes them over. And, you know, honestly, let's be, like, it's this game, it's not hard to be like, oh, yeah, of course they're going to, you know, praise this game because everyone has, like, it, as far as critically, pretty much the game has earned universal praise and and just countless awards. So this whole article is like, yeah, no shit. Although I did take a bunch of articles that Tricky put into the agenda out, so I, f- I figured I would throw him a bone at least so he so he could have a small victory. But, I mean... If anyone thinks that executives at Sony or the internal teams at Sony don't look at some of the Microsoft games and aren't like, wow, that was a really good game, 
or that some of them don't own Xboxes or play Xbox games or don't look at Forza and say, man, Forza is better than Gran Turismo. What is Polyphony Digital doing? So I guarantee that there are internal conversations at Sony that look at Xbox exclusives and Nintendo as well, and they say, wow, these are really good games. Because I don't know how anyone could, say, play like a, a Super Mario game and not be like, man, this is a great fucking game. You know, just it's just it's just expected that it's really good. Yeah. So this is this is a no shit Sherlock thing, but you know, I'm sure that the internal teams and every platform holder are you know eyeing the biggest console releases for the other platforms. And you know, they're right. I mean, the story, whether regardless of how some of the fans felt about the story, I mean it it does it earned near you know universal acclaim for a reason. It's really well written. Yeah. Actually, I found this out because Ashley finished Tales from Borderlands last night, and that was really cool. What did she think of it? I asked her if she... She's played two Telltale games, and she's played The uh, the Wolf Among Us, which she really liked, and she's... That is is a good one. She has played Tales from Borderlands, and she said she enjoyed Tales from Borderlands more. Yes! Yeah. Well, Yield and I contend that's the best Telltale game ever made. Best, hands down. Yeah, so she really enjoyed it, and it was nice to go, because it's been a while since I played the game, so going back and reliving the story and, and you know just seeing how all the narrative turns, that was really cool for me, so I, I enjoyed watching her play through it as well. And I one of the cool things is, you know, as they were doing like the, the credits and they had the you know the list of voice actors, Troy Baker's in there as Reese, but one really cool thing that I noticed is that the voice of Fiona was Laura Bailey. I was like, holy shit, Laura Bailey, Laura Bailey's been doing some stuff. Like, she's been around for this long, because, you know, a lot of people probably the first they've ever heard of Laura Bailey is as Abby in The Last of Us Part 2. But no, going back to Tales from the Borderlands, Laura Bailey's been putting in work and putting in great performances, too. So I just thought that was a really cool thing. That is really cool. I didn't know that that was, that she was in there. Yep, yep, she is in there. Okay, so this next article has me a little perplexed, I guess. Uh, Coming from IGN from Matt Perslow, Sony is facing a lawsuit over PlayStation Store digital sales exclusivity. For some reason, these long words are messing me up today. Detailed in a Bloomberg report, a class action lawsuit filed by consumers notes that by by restricting digital games purchases to the PlayStation Store, Sony Interactive Entertainment are able to charge up to 175% higher than physical games sold by retailers, both online and in stores. I am confused by this. Um, I'll go down here to read by a, a, a quote. Uh, quote, Sony's monopoly allows it to charge super supra-competitive prices for digital PlayStation games, which are significantly higher than their physical counterparts, sold in a competitive retail market. The significantly higher than they significantly higher than they would be in a competitive retail market for digital games, explains the lawsuit. And it goes on to explain how Sony has stopped third-party retailers such as Amazon and GameStop and other stores from selling digital codes for games. They just sell uh, PSN cards and the PlayStation Network. Alex, I am confused by this because I don't know what consumers would file this report because as someone, and the listeners know this, as someone that 
is all about a good deal on games. I, for the most part, find, unless I'm talking to straight up retail, I find the PSN to have better sales at times, or more often than not, than the physical copy of a game that you can get at a store. So I'm confused by this. Well, yeah, I mean, the big argument for years was once Sony and these other platform holders had digital stores set up, that that would cut out the middlemen like GameStop and Best Buy and all these other brick-and-mortar stores, and that they could charge less for their games because, you know, those other people wouldn't be taking cuts. It is important to mention that in the article uh, by Matt, Matt does mention that Nintendo has done something similar uh, in in regards to um, stopping third-party retailers from selling digital codes for... Um, their games. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, uh, it's European retailers because, as I remember, we actually, one of the things that we bought for Ashley's Oldest for Christmas was a cop, was a download code for Okami. So you can still buy Nintendo for, like, the Switch and stuff. You can still buy downloads for games at stores. It's just, I think, uh, in European retailers that you can't do that. Which I don't know why they focus on Europe. Maybe someone much smarter than us can explain that. But I... I've never seen anything, I've never seen price gouging on the PlayStation Network. I think that mostly from what I've seen, it's like, hey, we're charging MSRP because I I don't know how you can hit Sony for a monopoly when there are so many players in the games industry, you know, you have, um, oh, what's the Google thing? Stadia, you have Stadia, you've got Stadia, Steam, you have Microsoft, you have Nintendo, and then you have all the third-party developers, which usually have their games on multiple platforms. You have EA and Ubisoft and Activision. So I don't really know how you can consider Sony to have a monopoly in any regard, because the game space is just, you know, if there's any area of tech that has, you know, competition, it's video games. Yeah, so and there's, well, they, they say here about they're charging up to 175% higher than physical games. I have yet since the PlayStation Store, since the PlayStation Store has gone live, and I have, since I've owned a PlayStation 3, since the PlayStation Store went live, let me put it that way, I have not seen a digital game, let's say the day it releases, come out and be 170%, 75% higher than what I could go down the road to my Walmart, Best Buy, GameStop, brick and mortar store, mom and pop shop, and buy it for. They might have a certain digital edition that I can't go get here, but it never seems out of pr- out of price whack to where you're like, oh, you're just being greedy. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 with collectors editions, they might throw in a digital only that's somewhere between the statue one you can go get at a store to the standard game that you can buy off the shelf for digital. So I'm, like I said, I'm confused at this because I never, like you you mentioned it, I don't see the price gouge. Well, beyond that, you think about the, and this is focusing on digital-only games you can only buy on the PlayStation Network. That number of games, considering how many games are multi-platform these days or you can get on Steam, that number of games has to be so small that there's no possible way it can be considered a monopoly. I mean, you think of, like, a monopoly, like, you think of like Amazon buying up a bunch of companies, or you think of you know if one company were to buy up all the MP3 websites or all the MP3 providers, where you know you previously could go to like Amazon 
or iTunes or you know other places to buy MP3s. If you only were able to go to one place to buy music, that would obviously be a monopoly. But there's so many places to buy games, and if you're Sony and you're setting the prices for these digital games, one, you're also partnering with a lot of smaller companies. And, you know, obviously you don't want to price yourself out of the market by selling exclusive games at a higher price that people aren't going to pay for them and then killing off that potential franchise or whatever it might be. So because they work with smaller teams and because they want their, I mean, obviously with the PlayStation, with PlayStation Plus and how many sales they have running, it's like at least one sale once a month, as you mentioned, like they, if they put their prices too high, they're going to price those out and people just aren't going to buy those games or they're going to buy multi-platform games elsewhere. So the amount of games that Sony sells only on the PlayStation Network, I think when we talked about the PlayStation 3 and how that store might close, again, Sony is no longer closing the PS3 store, but with all those stores closing, there was like 138 games that was all, were only available on the Vita and the PS3. Like, out of all the games that are released every year, and, and that was for the whole lifespan of the PS3 and the PSN, can you sit there and tell me that the, the slice of games that Sony only releases on digitally on their platforms in, in any way constitutes a monopoly. Like, I just don't understand it. Yeah. I'm Sony fine. Sony doesn't have enough control of the video game market share to consider them a monopoly in any regard. No. But I, I was interested to see where this article was going, and then I read it, and I was just, I was confused. I'm like, I don't see anywhere where you have a leg to stand on. Yeah, and but. because... Because the market is so competitive, I mean, you look at Steam and how for years they had all their sales, and everyone's like, man, I really wish that Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo would do sales. Nintendo does at least monthly sales now. They do a ton of sales. And, you know, previously they were the ones talking about, oh, you know, people are devaluing video games because now you sell them at a cheaper price, and people then expect to be able to pay cheaper prices for games. You know, you look at, it's like Nintendo, their exclusive games are kind of like Disney movies where they so rarely drop in price that you can expect to play, play, pay full price on a lot of those up until the last day you can buy those games. But so Nintendo and Sony are running all these sales all the time. And, they, you know, yes, there it does mention Returnal in this article and the, high, the price hike to $70. Sony's not the only group doing that. You know, we, we saw some of the platform holders. I think Ubisoft was one of the ones that was mentioned previously. I can't remember if they were on the side of we're not going to raise prices yet, but... They were thinking about it. There were talks from other third-party developers about, yeah, our games are going to $70. You know, if you if they're investing so much money in these games and, you know, they need to make a return on them, if they want to jack... If they, I don't want to say jack up, but if they want to put the price to, from 60 to 70 I'm fine with that. I don't think that's gouging. It's, it may suck for some people because, you know, it may mean people can buy fewer games a year. Yes, that does suck, but $10 extra for a game isn't gouging. And again, with it, when it comes to all the platform holders, I see a lot of very, you know, competitively priced games. All the biggest games are MSRP, and anything that's digital only, like, I, I've never seen a game that I looked at the price and I was like, man, who's going to, like, like the, the number 175% was thrown out there. That's more, that's almost, that's more than double the price. That's more than like, what, would that be, yeah, that's so more than, of, that'd so, be more so than instead double. instead of 60, you're almost spending 180? Yeah, and that's Would just, that be about right? So, just, just for the game. Yeah, that, that would be, you know, ludicrous. So I don't, I don't know, again, how this started, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Like I don't. 
I don't know how anyone expects this lawsuit to take hold and, and win them any money. Like Sony, I guarantee Sony's not sweating this because, again, in what area of video games would they, they have yeah, monopoly? Do they have the monopoly? I don't, I don't get it. Because everybody's got their, you know, I would say they have a leg to stand on, like you were saying, if Sony was the only one that sold digital games online. But Steam does it. Microsoft does it. Nintendo does it. EA's doing their own thing with EA Play. Ubisoft has their own thing. Uh, I'm sure somebody else does, and I'm missing them. Uh, I mean, they don't, they don't have a monopoly. Yeah. And, you know, you may be only, you may be able to buy certain games only on the PSN, but that's a small slice of games. That's a, you know. And that's because they're exclusive. It's no different than Xbox now having, uh, Double Fine games on their platform. It, it's an exclusive. Well, I think maybe people could say that they could buy, you know, Double Fine games probably on the PC as well. We may not see them come to the Nintendo consoles or, you know, PlayStation consoles. You know, I think I think Psychonauts 2 is still going to come out to the, is still going to be multi-platform. Yes, yes. I, I believe that Tim Schafer did confirm that he's still bringing out multi, or that was in the agreement. Because that's what they agreed upon when they announced it, so that's what they're sticking to. Well, more so, you have Sony opening up more of their catalog to Steam. So you had Days Gone, Horizon Zero Dawn coming to Steam or already on Steam, and they have their own curator page on Steam. So you figured that a lot more of the Sony exclusives are going to come to Steam to widen the audience for their game. You know, you know, it's like they're not going to release them for the Xbox, they're not going to release them for Nintendo. But I, I would think that. There's not a ton of crossover between the PlayStation and the PC. Xbox and PC, I can understand. PlayStation and, and PC, like, I would think that you're either one or the other. So, so Sony is opening up more to Steam. So, I mean, it's pretty soon you're going to be at least able to buy more Sony games on that platform. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand this at all. But who knows? Maybe, maybe Troy will hear this and Troy can tell us, you idiots, this is a lie. This is a big yeah, deal. exactly. Maybe he can cue us in on the business, or maybe there will be a follow-up shortly that explains it more. But, I, I mean, I know, I know I got more questions than answers out of the article. Which is no fault, which I don't believe is no fault of the author. Yeah, like, Sony is, well, more so because we look at this lawsuit as idiotic. And, to be honest, a lot of class-action lawsuits, if you're a part of the, of the class, Nothing ever comes of it, or you don't get hardly any money, so it's almost pointless to join these anyway. Especially especially this one. The, the fraction that you get really wasn't worth all the hoopla. But, I mean, you know, Sony's not going to gouge people, you know, because they want to make that money. They want to sell that software on that well, brand yeah. new PS5 you bought. I mean, and I mean look, look, look what happened with the PlayStation 3 about saying you're going to go out and get a second job to buy our console. Well, here's the thing, so... You'll, they're they're trying to make that money, and they're trying to make that money in many different ways, as we learned from court documents in the Apple versus Epic ongoing courtroom melee. Headlined by IGN, Sony makes Epic Games pay for Fortnite crossplay by Rebecca Valentine. Yo, do you want to go into that a little bit? So, uh, Epic CEO Tim Sweeney was on the stand. And during his cross-examination, they were talking about, you know, everything, uh, Apple or Epic versus Apple. 
and it came across uh, Sony. Well, let me find it exactly. I was going to go into a quote, but let me go in here. So anyway, so Sweeney's on the stand, and the questions, he was on there for hours. The questions go ranging anywhere from uh, the banal of, do you know what a console is, to the four far more complex queries about the company's intended business model and relationship with Apple. So later in the day, the cross-examiner begins to ask Sweeney some basic questions about cross-platform play in Fortnite, especially with the regards of who profits from purchases made using, quote, cross-wallet, end quote, features, features that allow players to buy skins on one platform and use them on others. So this leads to Sweeney specifically talking about uh, PlayStation. Sweeney is quoted as saying, Sony has a policy that requires if the ratio of payments across platforms for a given PlayStation user gets out of sync with the playtime, then we have to pay them a commission on the other platform revenue, Sweeney said. So, continue quote, so if someone were primarily playing on PlayStation, but paying on iPhone, they'd, and they got a parenthesis, say it's an inaudible compensation to Sony. Basically saying that people are playing on the PlayStation, but they're not making the purchases via the PlayStation Network. They're making it on, say, an iPhone. which On an iPhone. So they're saying that Sony gets an extra kickback because they didn't buy the V-Bucks through PlayStation, they bought them through their iPhone. So to allow them to use that product that they bought on the iPhone on the PlayStation, Sony gets a little bit of an extra kickback because of it. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, so just as well, that's for, how a little, I took for a little more clarification, this is from the article. Uh, quote, the cross-examiner has Sony confirmed that the stipulation was put in place at the time Sony agreed to allow cross-platform play in Fortnite happen on this device. Normally, Sweeney acknowledged when V-Bucks are purchased on one platform and used on another, every platform involved in the transaction gets a cut. But in the very specific cases that he outlined, Sony gets a little bit more. So, in order to coax Sony into allowing cross-platform play with the PlayStation, Sony requires this extra little bit, where they get a little bit of extra money. And considering how much money Fortnite makes, I think it, the article says they made over $9 billion in its first two years, Yeah, you figure that... The size, of the chunk of money that Sony's getting back is quite nice. And again, it's with, you know, people can buy on the iPhone and then use all that stuff with their account on the PlayStation. Well, not making purchases to the PlayStation kind of cuts Sony out a little bit. So Sony's just trying to, I guess, make as much money as they can off transactions, even not on their um, console. And obviously, it's nowhere near what Apple, Epic is challenging for Apple's 30% revenue cut in court. So, I, overall, I guess my opinion of it is it does sound kind of, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I, I don't want to say dirty. Uh, I guess it doesn't sound a little right that Sony's doing this, but it, it's not like they agreed upon it and then Sony was like, oh, hey, you need to pay us a little more. Sony was like, yeah, we'll do cross-platform, but this is what we want, and Epic was like, okay. As far as I can tell, because cross-platform play through all the, you know, the, the viable consoles for a game, 
is is better obviously for Epic because you have more people to buy buy you know spend money on your content, and the skins in that game are outrageously priced. But Sony, you know, if they, from what I've seen, it hasn't affected the. It's not like Fort or Epic is kicking up the price of their content in order to cover you know what they're paying Sony. So if Epic has to pay a little more to Sony via the transactions in order to get Sony to play ball as far as cross-platform play, as long as the customers not having to eat that, I'm fine with it. If Epic has to give up a little more of their cut to Sony, why the hell not? It doesn't affect me. And you have to wonder also if it's the same thing with Rocket League. If every single cross-platform game Sony requires this, or if this is merely just just because uh, of Epic and how big Fortnite is. You know, that, that that would be an interesting thing because now since Rocket League, you can play it on all the consoles and everything transfers over no matter what you play it on. That That is interesting. And at some point, I assume that Sony and Epic will, you know, Sony probably has recurring negotiations with people. So at some point, they may come together and renegotiate this. But I, I don't really, I mean, if Sony's trying to get a little more money to that, that isn't going to affect customers, it's more so Epic just does, has to pay a little bit more. I'm fine with that. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. I I don't have a problem with it either. And there were some specific stories that Tricky wanted to talk about. This being one of them. So Tricky, I'm sure, will give his opinion on on that as well as the lawsuit against Sony. But uh, had to wait next week for that. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you know, coming to the end of our topics here, we we have we do have what I will consider the topic of the week. So you'll. I was watching. I, I like to watch my YouTube, and one of my favorite channels is Watch Mojo because I love the countdowns. I love the ranking list. Don't, don't we all? And one of their recent videos was them basically a top ten video game series with no bad games, which you know you can probably guess quite a few of the games on this list. It's probably not hard to. Uh, the image used for the video on YouTube was of Nathan Drake from the first Uncharted, so probably figure that Uncharted is on the list, but I just want to go down this list and, you know, talk about it a little bit and then talk about games that we, the game series that were not mentioned and potentially deserve to be in the top 10. Sound good to you, Yield? Sounds good. Let's do this. All right. So coming in at number 10 is Metal Gear Solid, the Metal Gear series, 1988 to present. So that includes, you know, the solid part of that as well. Nine, Grand Theft Auto, which started in 1997. Batman Arkham series, starting in 2009. Uncharted, which started in 2007. God of War, which started in 2005. Mario Kart, starting in 1992. Probably the oldest game series on this list. Yakuza, 2006. The Souls series, which includes, obviously... Demons and Dark Souls, 2009. And I also don't know if that uh, includes Bloodborne, but you would figure it would. Next up, number two is the Legend of Zelda series, which I don't know why I said Mario Kart is the oldest one, because either this or number one are going to be the oldest, that being the Legend of Zelda. Honorable mentions, just outside the top ten, Bioshock, starting in 2007, which they ask us to, in the video they said, would you please kindly show us a bad game? I would argue that Bioshock 2 is not a bad game, but a very unnecessary game. It was it was better gameplay-wise than the original Bioshock, 
but didn't have that narrative punch that the original game did. So, I I don't know if I would say that Bi- Bioshock 2 is definitely the weakest link in that series. Not a bad game, but also a very unnecessary game, I would say. Thank God for Bioshock Infinite, though, reviving that series. The next honorable mention is Doom, coming out starting in 1993. Third and final honorable mention, Portal, starting in 2007. And, last but not least, now officially the oldest game of this list. Oldest game series, I should say. The Super Mario series started in 1985. So, yield. A lot of heavy hitters and kind of household names on that list. Obviously, Nintendo takes the top two slots with its Obviously. most popular franchises. But then you got some, you know, maybe surprises there in the Soul series and Yakuza. And then you have three Sony series in Metal, well, not, well, Metal Gear is not Sony, but. Uh, well, it ended up being Sony when it switched over to the Solid series. Until then, it was NES. Yeah. But also, it's. Metal Gear Solid isn't been, that whole series hasn't been completely exclusive to the PlayStation, has it? I believe it has. All right, I'll have to double check on that. But the two the two Sony games were Uncharted and then God of War. I'm a little surprised because they did mention in their countdown that one of the games, oh, I guess it was Portal in the honorable mentions, only had two two games. So I don't know what ruled The Last of Us out of this. I figured The Last of Us would be in there. As I'll say, yeah, that would be interesting because, yeah, Portal, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, Portal only had two. The first one wasn't even really an entire full game because it was included on the orange box set for, you know, and or, yeah, it was on PlayStation as well, but it was included in the orange box with Half-Life and I can't remember the other game. And then it Portal just blew up and then they got their own game with the sequel. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about this. Are, all right. are there any... Franchise. I, I'm assuming you're okay with all of these franchises being on the list. I am. Uh, I don't disagree with with Super Mario being number one. Uh, as much as I own, have owned Nintendo through the years and played Mario, uh, I am more of the Zelda guy. So naturally, I would say Zelda needs to be number one. But I'm not offended by Mario being number one. So no, I'm I'm okay with this. I. Uh, when I was watching the video and they were talking about Grand Theft Auto, you know, they they made the point that the series really didn't take off until it went 3D with 3, but you know, they were like the other two games aren't that bad either. You know, they were they were key to they were key to point out that we're not saying that all the games are stellar. Some of them may have a hiccup, but all in all they're good games. I'm like, I can see that. I remember in high school when, when Grand Theft Auto came out and just friends in class just talking about that game so much that I had never played the Grand Theft Auto game. So based on what people had said, word of mouth, I went and bought it and, of course, had tons of fun at that game. I didn't start. I didn't jump into the series until three. Well, yeah, no, that's when I jumped in, too. And then, of course, that led into Vice City. And who didn't love that neon soaked Wonderland of uh, Vice City? I, I still think Vice City's the best one. Alright, well, Yield, I would agree with you. But Yield, what, what would you say are some other series that you think should be on this list that were maybe not included, even in the honorable mentions? Uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't have a problem with Last of Us, even though I haven't played Last of Us 2. I mean, all those Game of a Year awards, you can't go wrong there. Um, 
I'm sure an argument can be made for Mega Man. Well, there, there's like Mega Man X6 and X7 and X8. And then some of like like Mega Man, what was it, 7? Like, there's some I, not I good Mega Man. Mega, I consider the Mega Man X games their own own Mega Man. Yeah, you know but I'm even saying? in the first, like Mega Man 7 and Mega Man 8 weren't great. And I would argue weren't that Mega Man, okay. Mega Man 6 was not that good either. And, and, okay. and the original I, Mega Man wasn't that good. Ah, okay. Well, then that shoots that down. I was just going by the few that I've played. I've enjoyed them, so. I'll throw out the Sly Cooper series because I think the Sly Cooper games are all really good. They're not... Ratchet and Clank? Yeah, I mean, there are some Ratchet and Clank. I mean, you know, there are smaller games like Quest for Booty that was really well, good more, as well. Was more of a... Was, yeah, Quest for Booty, and that was specifically just kind of a tie-in between... The two games. And, you know, even something like All for One, which was much different than what we had played previously, and, you know, Deadlocked was a little different. I wouldn't classify any of them as bad games. You got the Jack the Jack series. The Jack games were really good, although I don't I don't know exactly about Daxter itself. And you also had Secret Agent Clank for the PSP from the Ratchet series. I don't know how those worked out quite as well, because, let's be honest, in the series, it's always more fun to play with Ratchet and Jack than it is to play as Clank and Daxter, so I never got to play those games, so I don't know how they panned out. But, I mean, I would say both of those, the, both of those game series are definitely candidates, candidates you can throw in the mix. Oh, I would think so. Uh, I mean, the Super Smash Brothers series, those are all pretty good games. That would be all you. I don't do Smash Brothers. Uh, on, the, my, on the Xbox, I mean, I would think that Gears of War and Forza would get some love for that as well, and I, I would think maybe even Halo, or does Halo have a bad one? Yeah, people have complained about Halo. At least I, friends that I have that play Halo have complained about it ever since 343 took over. You've got stuff like, um, I mean, the Pokemon games are all pretty good. I don't know if there's a you know a bad, I mean, Pokemon fans are, want to complain about certain things, but I don't know if any of the Pokemon games are really any bad. The Punch-Out games, they're excellent games, all of them, all really fun, so I would throw that in there. Oh, I was trying to think. Uh, the Banjo Kazooie games, I would throw those. I never, I never played those. Yeah, I mean, I know Nuts and Bolts wasn't as popular as Tui or the original game, but I mean, I, I, I'm a fan of the Banjo series, so I think that you could, especially with so so few games, like they all, they all seem pretty good. I know, especially Kazooie and Tui, all you know, did pretty well as far as critical reception. So, I would, I'd be interested to know what their criteria was. I mean, I could throw out Infamous. Yeah, I mean, I'll throw out Resistance. The Resistance the games. Resistance games, yeah, those were good. I forgot about those. Motor Storm was pretty good. I I did enjoy all those. I don't, I don't remember a bad Motor Storm game. Even Motor Storm RC on the Vita was fun. I'll I'll throw out um, Devil May Cry. I mean, I know people complain about DMC by Ninja Theory, but maybe maybe there's one of the earlier Devil May Cries that people didn't like very much, but. For the most part, it seems like those games are pretty popular and a lot of fun. If anyone wants to challenge us on any of those, you're you're more than welcome to. But yeah, I mean, or to throw in your own that we forgot. Yeah, Final Fantasy. Well, no, Final Fantasy. There are some people argue that are bad. I don't know about Final Fantasy. It's been around forever. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else specifically on the Nintendo console. Donkey Country, Donkey Kong Country games. They're all great. Tropical Freeze and Donkey Kong Country Returns. You know, adding on that to more recently. Hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised the Donkey Kong Country games didn't get a whiff in there, especially an honorable mention, because those are really good. 
really good, difficult. Also, the THQ wrestling games, the uh, specifically like the Nintendo sixty four, the Smackdowns. Or you? Oh, you mean N sixty four games? Oh yeah, like No Mercy and WrestleMania two thousand, NWO, WCW World Tour, the Chrono Trigger, Chrono Cross series. Yeah, I well, some I, I've seen more and more people give love for Chrono Cross. You mean Chrono Trigger? Well, no, no, no. Chrono Cross was the sequel. Yeah. I've seen more and more. I've seen more and more people give love to Chrono Cross. For a while, everybody was just like, "Oh, that game doesn't exist." And I've le- over the last few years, I've seen more and more people go, "No, actually, the game's really not that bad." I never played it. I only played Trigger. If there's anything that you all listeners want to add to our list, please, you know, go ahead and throw it in there because we're up for suggestions. All right, yo, we before we close the show out, we got a couple banger questions here from not only Nitro but also. Our friend Ponder Stibbins, who hopefully we invited Levi to come on next week since he was uh, we had to change up and throw an audible this week and he wasn't able to join us tonight on Monday. So hopefully Levi will be able to join us with an update on the Be Legit on next week's show. But we do have a question from we have questions from not only Ponder, but also from Nitro. Let's see. Alright. So Nitro asks two questions here. First question, what are your three favorite proudest game completion or platinum you have earned and then secondly of course we've heard of sony's interest in more social connection possibilities based on that what are your thoughts towards sony and discord partnership as well as the addition of such games like among us and other party games that can thrive with discord partnership i mean i think we answered that one a little earlier and that we were pretty pretty you know we thought it was a good thing you know we may not use Yield's certainly probably not going to use the social aspects of Discord, but as someone who, you know, has... It, it, I guess it depends on how they integrate it. If I have to sign up for Discord, I'm screwed. But if they integrate it like they did uh, the communities where all I got to do is just click and go, I, I, I'll probably, I'll use it. Yeah, so, I mean, with what little we know now, Nitro is kind of like a wait and see. Like, they can definitely do positive things with this, but it's just kind of all in the matter of execution, so... Good idea, hopefully not failed execution, and I'm sure the Tricky has more thoughts on this when he joins us next week. But to answer your first question, Sid threw in a comment, well, let's start off with Mr. Homer, Mr. Duft, gets duffed. Homer says, getting uh, all of the ending in the original Chrono Trigger, including the ending by beating Lavos via one of one-on-one battle with him and Chrono. Um, and then he said he will edit as in, in a few more as he thinks of them, but never add anything, so Apparently, Homer is only proud of getting all of the Indians in the original Chrono Trigger. I'm sure there's many more things he's proud of, but that was the thing that came to his head. Sid says, Dead Space 2, you fucking lunatic, Sid. How the fuck did you get the platinum in that game? <coughs> My god. Uh, props, though. Arkham City and Arkham Knight, and then any of the Souls games. And then JT rounds us out. says, Final Fantasy 13, Grinding Turtles was a bitch. Kingdom Hearts 1, it was just satisfying. Mass Effect 2, the hardest of the OG trilogy, which I could not platinum Mass Effect 2 because I got stuck. I think it was on Planet Horizon, which I th- I heard people say that after you got past that point, you were good, but I, I couldn't get over the hump. So props there, JT, for, for getting the platinum in Mass Effect 2. And then uh, JT adds, I don't think anything about the partnership because they just got what Xbox has had all these years. Sony has out-of-date trends, and it shows. Not, not really wrong there. Sony's kind of like Me Too attitude towards... You know, anything not regarding first-party studios. Sony's kind of out of the forefront of that one, but, yeah. 
So yield. Yeah. Sir, what are your three most favorite slash proudest game completions or platinums you have earned? And this can go, you know, as far back as you want to go. It doesn't just have to be platinums. So, um, not in any particular order. Uh, I, I, I started off with platinums. If I, if I go back as far as I want to go, uh, I would have to say, uh, being each of the Super Mario games, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario 2, Super Mario 3, those, that was always a, a good feeling when you did that for the first time. Um, beating the Legend of Zelda, on the NES and then going back and doing the master, the master quest where all the uh, dungeons have moved. And then you go back and beat Ganon again. So that those are always, you know, hold a special place in your gaming heart and high on your list. But most recently, uh, platinum's in a hundred percent and no particular order. Uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. I never did city. Because I just wasn't going to grind through that 130-odd, basically, battle rooms. But I did go through Asylum, so I was really proud of that. Split second, those dev, those two dev challenges are no joke. Um, Birds of Steel, because they have a couple of, of missions or trophies tied to doing it on realistic. And I kid you not, you barely bump the controller a certain way. You just, you just can't turn. You got to ease into it. And if you yank the stick too hard, you just go into a flat spin. So that was challenging and very satisfying when I finally got it. Um, Joe Danger, 100%. Alex knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got the 100% in both Joe Danger and Joe Danger, Joe Danger 2, and I would definitely add those to my my list of really, really proud accomplishments. Um, I'm working Joe Danger 2, I'm up to the last, the last race where you have to do everything in one solid run. But I can't get the 100% because the servers are closed, and I never shared a level, downloaded a level, so. But I'll take Joe Danger. And I I put down I probably more of an honorable mention was Eat Lead the Return of Matt Hazard because that has some challenging trophies in it. And for me, I was always really proud of being able to get all of the jig- jigsaw pieces, the jiggies in the original Banjo Kazooie. Always really proud of myself for being able to beat Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and also Nick and Rick Bruiser in Beast. Nick and Rick Bruiser in Super Punch-Out as well, so I've always been pretty good at the Punch-Out games, although Punch-Out for the Wii, I could not beat the Super Secret Boss. Well, I couldn't beat DK, and then I think Doc Lewis is even further behind him in that. I think Doc Lewis is the Super Boss behind DK. So, I could not beat DK, so I feel a little short in the Punch-Out for the Wii, but Super Punch-Out and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, I was always very proud of being able to beat those games. And there's probably a few more littered in there, but those are kind of off the top of my head. Platinums and 100%, I already mentioned the Joe Danger games, very proud of those. But more recently, I'm really proud of the fact that I got the Platinum in Streets of Rage 4, also Cuphead, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled, and, and Rezogun. So those are probably four of my most proud Platinums. I would say Bloodborne, but I I don't know if I would say that I'm 
super pro- I, those other games I really enjoyed Bloodborne I kind of just pushed myself and dragged myself through so I mean I guess I should be proud of it but and uh I also probably should be proud of the platinum for WWE 2K17 cuz so few people have it but also that was a that was a shit experience so I don't think I really I'm not really proud of that I did that I'm kind of like why the fuck did I do that but uh the other question we had was from Ponder Stibbins, and I'm trying to find Ponder's question in the chat, but I don't see. Here, here we go. So, Ponder Stibbins asked, you pick a console and are given its entire back catalog, and that is all you can play for the rest of your days. What you, what you picking? Couple stipulations, PC isn't a console, and backwards compatibility doesn't count in this hypothetical. You only get the games for the console you choose. So, you're a wicked, wicked person, Ponder, because how could we ever choose? I mean, for me, it's a question of, do you want to go more old school, where you can play, you know, there's a lot of games, but also you can play through the games more quickly, so, you know, if you want to go back and play a game, you can beat it in the afternoon, and it's not like you're, like, having to slog through an entire game all over again, you can kind of go in, get it over with, you know, games like Mega Man X and Super Punch-Out!, you can go through and, and beat those games relatively quickly. So while you do have longer games like Super Mario World, you know, there are and you know, a link to the past, there are a lot of shorter games on the Super Nintendo that you can just get through in an afternoon. And, you know, it, I don't know, man, it's tough. Because then you have newer consoles, it's like, do you wanna years later go back and play the Uncharted games all over again and experience those sweeping stories all over again? Or, you know, do you wanna experience the fun of Ratchet and Clank games and you know, all the gunplay and that. So it really comes down to, do you want to, really for me, it's not necessarily like, hey, the PlayStation or, you know, the do I want to play the PlayStation or do I want to play the Super Nintendo? It's more so like, do I want to play shorter games that I can finish sooner and just play more games more often? Or do I want to, because I would say that a lot of the games for, say, Super Nintendo and Nintendo are more replayable than a lot of the games we played today. Like a lot of the games you play today, it's like The Last of Us Part Two. I've played that enough in my life, I don't want to ever play it again. Or do you want something that's more new age, and you, it takes you longer to beat, but maybe you'll play it once every ten years, so. That's honestly kind of the, the big question there for me, Yield, and I, I don't know, do you have an answer for this question? Were you thinking about this? Well, see, the, the, the simple thing for me is just to go, uh, to go old school and go NES, because everything was on one console, the games were hard, some games were hard, you know, they, you, know, you couldn't adjust difficulty. Now, granted, not all games had a stellar story like, uh, you know, like your Uncharted's or whatever, as you got into the three and into the four. Um, but as you were listing, you know, games that weren't overly difficult, but they were, that they were fun to play, it got me thinking of, you know, the N64 and the SNES with your Star Foxes and your F-Zeros and your Chrono Trigger and all that other stuff. So, uh, if I could pick one, I'd probably pick the the NES because of its catalog. But I could see me going SNES or N64 because of the of the replayability of some of its games, of how they just don't seem to get old. Yeah, 
I, I mean, you also got to think about like, hey, you have now nowadays, which is something, you know, we didn't have this back in the day, but games as a service, like platforms like, say, Rocket League and Fortnite, you know, you're not you would get continued new content for those games. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it, my initial push was to say the Super Nintendo, because I still think the Super Nintendo is Nintendo's best system they've ever made. And those sprites, the, the visuals still look great today. That's one of those systems. It's kind of like, you know, you look back at the PlayStation, maybe the PlayStation 2, and a lot of those visuals don't hold up. Even, you know, like the Dreamcast and the NES, like, they, they, nothing looks as good to me as the Super Nintendo. Like, that is the one system that I think is just ironclad, will look good until the day I die. No matter how high fidelity we can see or how impressive TVs and consoles get, no matter how much mocap or action or acting we have in, in video games, the Super Nintendo, to me, over the course of its lifetime, will look better than any other console and hold up better than any other console. So my first impulse was to say the Super Nintendo, because yes, I do love playing stuff like Super Punch-Out and Mega Man X, and I can go back and play those games, you know, over and over again. But then I think about, you know, stuff like Rocket League and games as a service, on the newer consoles, and just like how much I enjoyed rewatching Ashley play Tales from Borderlands, but I've also got the thing where it's like on the newer consoles, so much of the so much of those games are tied up in story, and once you've played through the story, are the games as impactful as the first time you played them? And the answer, of course, is no. Ugh. God, it's rough. It for me, it comes down to the Super Nintendo. And the PlayStation 4. Because as good as the PlayStation 2 library was, and no disrespect to the PS3, because the PS3 ended up having a really strong library too, I think the PlayStation 4 has had the best library of games over time than them. Oh god, and there's so many Super Nintendo games I still haven't played yet. I'm... I'm going to go with the Super Nintendo. It was my gut reaction, and I got to go. It pains me to pick it over the PS4, because I'm having trouble picking between the two. But I got to go with the Super Nintendo. The game still looks so good, and so crisp, and so bright and colorful. And there's just, you know, you've got shorter games on there. You've got longer games. It's just, I, I really enjoy that console a lot. And, you know, I never owned one as a kid growing up. I had to, as an adult, go on eBay and buy one. And I still have that one today, plus the Super Nintendo Classic, so... Yeah, it's that is going to be my answer to the Super Nintendo. Of course, this is a question you can ask me day by day, and tomorrow the answer may be different. So, so yeah, but it was a hard choice between the four and the Super Nintendo. But I, I guess I got to go with the Super Nintendo. Not a wrong answer. All right, as painful as that was to answer, Ponder, we definitely do thank you for the question because it made us think. It made me think more than a lot of questions made me think. Because a lot of times it's just like, oh, got answer, but this one I kind of had to. I had the machinations going. I had the, the the gears and the cogs turning in my head. It was it was a difficult choice. So thank you, Ponder, for that question, and thank you, Nitro, for your previous questions as well. Well, yield. I'm sorry, I kind of took over on you. No, no, that's fine. You're, you're, you did a great. You've done a great job hosting. So why don't you close us out, sir? Let's close this show out with some shout outs. Uh, Alex, you want to go no, first? I wasn't sure if you wanted me to go first or if you wanted to take the bell yourself. No, no, go ahead and go first. So I want to give a shout out to, first and foremost, as always, to the listeners, the fans, the fuel to the fire of this trophy course. Thank you all for your continued support of the show. Whether you dropped in on episode one or you just dropped in last week, 
We appreciate you guys. We love our community. So thank you for being part of our community. Great members like Ponder and Nitro dropping questions. Homer usually has some questions for us. So if you have anything you want us to talk about on the show, please drop it in the Facebook group. It's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Give a shout out to Yield for hosting tonight. Usually when Tricky is not here, it falls on me to host, but I appreciate Yield putting on the saddle this week and 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 put taking on the burden of being host. It's been a while, but Yield, you did a great job. Thank you. Give a shout out to Tricky, who could not be here tonight, but sends his, his warmest regards to all the listeners of Trophy Horse. Also give a shout out to Levi. Hopefully again, we can have Levi next week because I really want to hear- That's the plan. I really, really want to hear his opinion on Resident Evil Village because I saw us getting good reviews and I know he's a big survival horror fan. I know he's really looking forward to the game. So I'm excited to hear not only the update on the Be Legit, but also Levi's thoughts on Resident Evil Village. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my loving girlfriend, Ashley, who also celebrated Mother's Day. Obviously, two kids being a mom is is, a, is like a second full-time job. Not always the easiest thing to do, but she's a great mom, a loving mom, and a, a fair and stern mom at times, too. So uh, just uh, I'm... I'm in awe of the patience she oftentimes shows with kids because a lot of times I, I do get very frustrated and irritated with some of the stuff kids can do. But um, she she's a great mom, so uh, lots of love and a shout-out to her. And uh, I hope she had a really good Mother's Day yesterday. She told me she did, but maybe she was just being nice. Yes, that's good. And that could be, too. Uh, I will give a shout-out to my mom and all the moms out there listening. Uh, shout-out to Alex for recording tonight. Shout-out to... Uh, Alex, Homer, and Nitro for Rocket League Thursday. Um, it, it, we did, we did really well. Really good on the communication. I was, I was, I was happy with that. Uh, shout out to, uh, Tricky and Levi, even though they are not here this week, they were going to be, like I said, Mother's Day plans pushed it off to the side. Uh, shout out to Nitro and Ponder for the questions of the week. Uh, shout out to you, all the pimps and the madams of the whoredom. Thank you. Downloading, listening, interacting, hanging out with us. Speaking of hanging out with us, I put it in the Facebook group. Go in there, put in your opinions. But I'm kicking around the idea of a uh, Wreckfest gamer night for those who have it. Or even a Rocket League gamer night. My idea behind that is if we get enough people, you know, if we get eight people, we'll four v we'll do a private room, four v four, we'll constantly change up the teams and we all just you know, we'll be in a group chat and we'll all just trash talk and play Rocket League. Or we could even throw down a mini tournament and go two v two or three v three if we get a lot of people and we'll run through something like that. So uh, just some ideas I'm putting out there. Go comment in the Facebook group, see what you think. Uh, other than that... Well, hold on, Neil, before we get out of here, I want to pose a, li- a question to our listeners. So, we celebrated Mother's Day yesterday, but I challenge you all, and someone can probably do this easily, but in my mind, the worst mom in video games has to be the mother of the Pokemon protagonist, because I get wanting to support your kid and what they want to do in life, but sending your kid alone out in the world to catch Pokemon and fight Pokemon seems like a really not smart thing to do. So if you can find a worse mom in video games, please let me know. That that's a good one because I don't even know for worse video game mom. Um, 
Shout out to my niece that had her last ballet recital for the season. And that'll do me for this week. So until we hit 480, be kind to each other. And happy trophy hunting. song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash even Philippines. What is up, folks? Thanks for sticking with us to the end of another episode of Trophy Whores. Before we get out of here, you know how we got to do. We got to clean this shit up with some housekeeping. I want to give you guys ways that you all can interact with us. We love interacting with you all, so we do like to do that as much as possible. Best way for you all to do that is to go on our Facebook page, Trophy Whores, and just interact with us there. Post memes, post stories you want us to talk about, ask us questions, ask questions of the community, share your latest platinum trophy, whatever you want to do. However you want to share, just go on to Facebook. It's, it's probably the thing that we check the most, and we often talk about that stuff on the show. If email is your thing, you can always email us at trophyhors at provengamer.com. And if you're into Twitch, like we mentioned on the show, we do Rocket League Thursdays every night at 7. You can go to twitch.tv slash provengamer to uh, join us every Thursday for Rocket League, and just whenever Tricky decides to stream, and you know if Yil decides to do anything like Wreckfest in the future, anything like that. If you want to support the show or Proven Gamer on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Proven Gamer. And there are a number of different tiers there that Tricky set up that you can choose to support us at. But again, financial support is not necessary. We love you guys. And however you guys choose to support us, I mean, you're supporting us just by listening to the show. And even if you can just give us a rec- give a recommendation to somebody, somebody you know, somebody you love, be like, hey, I know you like video games. How about you go listen to this awesome podcast, Trophy Whores? We would greatly appreciate. Word of mouth is fantastic it's it's the best kind of advertising we can ask for last but not least amazon.com it's one of our main sponsors and how can you help us out with this well it's easy amazon.com is a it makes shopping online and shopping in general just so much easier so we know that from time to time regardless of how you feel about amazon you probably buy something from amazon.com before going to the website go to provengamer.com there is a link to amazon on the home page it'll take you straight to amazon.com so you can resume your shopping it's one little extra step, but it does help us out tremendously, so we would greatly appreciate it if you would do that for us. Until next week, go get some fucking trophies. Preferably in Spirit of the North, because it's really good. <laughs>